have been in a study of Bible doctrine, particularly studying the last subject of Bible doctrine that we are looking at, which is eschatology, the study of the future, what the Bible says about the things to come. And this is message number 78 in that overall series. The title of the message this morning is The Seventy Sevens. We'll be looking at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 20 to 40. But the Lord hath taken you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt, to be unto him a people of inheritance, as you are this day. Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me for your sakes, and swear that I should not go over Jordan, that I should not go in unto that good land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. But I must die in this land. I must not go over Jordan, but ye shall go over and possess that good land. Take heed unto yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make you a graven image or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God hath forbidden thee. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. When thou shalt beget children and children's children, and ye shall have remained long in the land, and shall corrupt yourselves, and make a graven image or the likeness of anything, and shall do evil in the sight of the Lord thy God to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day, that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land whereunto you go over Jordan to possess it. Ye shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall utterly be destroyed. And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations, and ye shall be left few in number, and among the heathen, whither the Lord shall lead you. And there you shall serve gods, the work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him, if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. When thou art in tribulation, and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God, and shalt be obedient unto his voice, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God, he will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swore unto them. For ask now of the days that are past, which were before thee, since the day that God created man upon the earth, and ask from one side of the heaven unto the other, whether there hath been any such thing as this great thing is, or hath been heard like it. Did ever people hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire, as thou hast heard and live? Or hath God essayed to go and take him a nation from the midst of another nation? by temptations, by signs, and by wonders, and by war, and by a mighty hand, and by a stretched out arm, and by great terrors, according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? Unto thee it was showed that thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God, there is none else beside him. Out of heaven he made thee to hear his voice, that he might instruct thee. And upon earth he showed thee his great fire, and, he, and thou heardest his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved thy fathers, therefore he chose their seed after them, and brought thee out of in his sight with his mighty power out of Egypt, to drive out nations from before thee, greater and mightier than thou art, to bring thee in, to give thee their land for an inheritance, as it is this day. Know therefore this day, and consider it in thine heart, that the Lord he is God in heaven above, and upon the earth beneath, there is none else. Thou shalt keep therefore his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee this day, that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee, that thou mayest prolong thy days upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee forever." So we began looking at the future story events that are the turning point events which bring God's plan that we have referred to as the Bible's big story to fulfillment, going from creation to new creation. 
And the fact that there are prophecies in the Bible that are yet to be fulfilled means that these are events that must occur. The foundational future event upon which other future events depend is the return of Jesus Christ. And the return of Christ or the second coming of Christ refers to his return to the earth as prophesied in places like Zechariah chapter number 14 where the Messiah will stand on the Mount of Olives, defeat the nations gathered against Israel, establish his kingdom over that restored nation of Israel, and reign over all the nations of the earth, and so on. Well, there are many connected and associated events with this central event of the return of Jesus Christ, and that's where we started in the last message, where we considered the catching away that is described in the New Testament. So John chapter 13, verses 31 to chapter 14, verse 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 to 52, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18, all describe a singular future event where Jesus will descend from the third heaven to the clouds of the earth, bringing with him the spirits of the dead saints from heaven while their bodies will be resurrected from the earth and reunited with their spirits in glorification in the air with Jesus. And all living saints at that time will be caught up into the air, experiencing a complete glorification of their bodies and the translation of their bodies into incorruptible and immortal beings where they will meet Jesus and the resurrected saints in the clouds and all be taken to the Father's house in the third heaven. Paul referred to this event as a mystery, meaning that it's not revealed in the Old Testament. Now, resurrection is obviously prophesied in the Old Testament, but not a separate resurrection of believers where the resurrected saints will be caught up into the air and the living saints on the earth at that time will be caught up into the air with them and be glorified together and taken to the third heaven. That's a revelation that's only given to us in the New Testament. This event is distinct from the second coming event, like in Zechariah chapter number 14, which is, which is prophesied in the Old Testament. And we will we'll consider that event in more detail in, in another message. But this event necessarily precedes that second coming, as this rapture event is for the purpose of rescuing living saints from the coming period of God's wrath upon the earth, which concludes with that second coming of Christ to the earth. Now it is that future time of God's wrath that we want to consider in this message this morning. So here in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 30 and 31, Moses prophesies of a future time for the nation of Israel, a future time in what he refers to as the latter days, when Israel will be in tribulation, having been scattered off of their land and and endured a, a long, long time of desolations upon them. They will be in a time of tribulation but they will not be completely destroyed and God will in fact remember his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and have mercy on them at a future time. And so from this we see that there must be a future event that is distinct from the prolonged wars and desolations and sufferings of Israel in the exile. 
And it's a time that will be unique. And it'll be so severe that it would seem that all Israel will be destroyed, but they will, in fact, not all be destroyed. This event of tribulation for Israel and and the world is what we want to consider in this message. We want to consider, first of all, Israel's past and future, and then secondly, the 70 weeks for Israel. So let's think, first of all, about Israel's past and future. So in our text here in Deuteronomy chapter number 4, Moses is instructing and he is preparing the second generation of Israel that came out of Egypt to enter into the land of the inheritance, as he says in verse 21, that has been promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You will recall that the generation, that first generation that came out of Egypt, they wandered in the wilderness until all of them died out except for Joshua and Caleb. And the second generation, which is here in the book of Deuteronomy, sort of camped on the border, ready to cross over and and to go into this land to begin to possess it. And so the book of Deuteronomy is a rehearsal of the old covenant that was made at Sinai with that first generation of Israel from the Exodus who broke it before they ever even entered into the land. In fact, they had broken that covenant before Moses ever even got down off of Mount Sinai. So Moses rehearses the history of Israel with them, and he also foretells their future because they're not going to keep the old covenant. They've sworn to keep it, but they're not going to keep it. And God's going to punish them with the curses that God has sworn to bring on them for breaking that covenant. And so Moses warns them here in in verses 23 and 24. He's warning them. Don't forget the covenant when you are in the land. Don't go into idolatry, which they will do, according to verse number 25. And because of that, God is going to scatter them off of the land of promise in verse number 26. They will be scattered among the nations, and they will continue in widespread unbelief, according to verse number 27. These are all things that are confirmed in this passage as well as in some other places like Deuteronomy chapter 29 verses 22 to 29. So that the generation to come of your children shall rise up after you and the stranger that shall come from a far land shall say, when they see the plagues of that land and the sicknesses which the Lord hath laid upon it, and that the whole land thereof is brimstone and salt and burning, and that it is not sown, nor beareth, nor any grass groweth therein, like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, Adma and, and Zeboim, which the Lord overthrew in his anger and in his wrath. Even all nations shall say, Wherefore hath the Lord done thus unto this land? What meaneth the heat of his great anger? The men shall say, Because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, For they went and served other gods and worshipped them, gods whom they knew not and whom he had not given unto them. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against this land to bring upon all the curses that are written in this book. And the Lord rooted them out of the land in their anger and in wrath and in great indignation and cast him into another land as it is this day. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 1 to 10. And it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse which I have set before thee, thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations whither the Lord thy God hath driven thee, and shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day. 
thou and thy children with all thine heart and with all thy soul, that then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee and will return and gather thee from all the nations whither the Lord thy God has scattered thee. If any one of thine be driven out unto the uttermost parts of heaven, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee and from thence will he fetch thee. And the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed And thou shalt possess it, and he will do thee good, and multiply thee above thy fathers. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart, and the heart of thy seed, to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. And the Lord thy God will put all these curses upon thine enemies, and on them that hate thee, which persecuted thee. And thou shalt return, and obey the voice of the Lord, and do all his commandments, which I command thee this day. And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thy hand. In the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good, as he rejoiced over thy fathers. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law. And if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul. Now again, remember, these are words being spoken to Israel before they have ever crossed over the Jordan, before they have ever entered into that land of Canaan as promised to Abraham, before they've ever began to possess it at all. He's talking about them being driven off of it, being scattered among the nations, God bringing desolations and and wars and such upon them. And then a future time when they will be gathered and fetched from all those nations, when God will pour out his wrath upon all those nations and will gather them to their land. One more passage, Leviticus chapter 26, verses 38 to 45. And ye shall perish among the heathen, and the land of your enemies shall eat you up. And they that are left of you shall pine away in their iniquity in your enemies' lands. And also in the iniquities of their fathers shall they pine away with them. If they shall confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with their trespass, which they trespassed against me, and that also they have walked contrary unto me, and that I also have walked contrary unto them, and have brought them into the land of their enemies. If then their uncircumcised hearts be humbled, and they then accept of the punishment of their iniquity, then will I remember my covenant with Jacob, and also my covenant with Isaac, and also my covenant with Abraham will I remember. And I will remember the land. The land also shall be left of them and shall enjoy her Sabbaths while she lieth desolate without them. And they shall accept of the punishment of their iniquity because even because they despised my judgments and because their soul abhorred my statutes. And yet for all that, when they be in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away. Neither will I abhor them to destroy them utterly and to break my covenant with them. For I am the Lord their God. But I will for their sakes remember the covenant of their ancestors whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the heathen that I might be their God. I am the Lord. So from all of these passages, we learn about Israel's future. They will break God's covenant. They will be scattered from off the land that God had brought them to. And God will bring desolations upon the land. They will continue for a long, long time in the land of their enemies, going after their gods, being hated and enduring persecution from nation to nation. However, God will not destroy them nor permanently dispossess them of the land of promise. 
They will be gathered together again to the land. They will turn to the Lord in repentance and faith with new hearts. God will remember his covenant with Abraham to fulfill it entirely and give the nation of Israel everlasting possession of the land promised. So from these passages, we see this future for Israel. Now, as we are well aware, many of those prophecies in these passages have already been fulfilled. They did go into idolatry. They did walk contrary to the law of the Lord. They did break the the Mosaic covenant. And they did suffer exile from off the land and are continuing even until this time under the desolations and the wars and those judgments of God. But they've not yet been regathered according to this promise. They've not yet re-inhabited the land. God has not yet turned to the enemy nations and poured out his wrath upon them. Those things are still future to happen. Now Moses said that they would turn to the Lord in Deuteronomy chapter 4 verses 30 and 31. They would turn to the Lord in the tribulation of the latter days. This time of tribulation that Moses referred to, is a definite event. It is, it is a time that is distinguished from general or ongoing tribulations that Israel will suffer and is referred to in other places as well. So, so this time that Moses calls tribulation in the latter days here in Deuteronomy chapter 4 is also referred to in other places and in other ways, particularly in the Old Testament So in Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse number 7, it's referred to as that day and as the time of Jacob's trouble. Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse number 7. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Now when you read the surrounding verses there in Jeremiah chapter 30, you will note that he is describing a lot of these same things that we have just read from these passages in the law. It's a, it's a great day, Jeremiah says. It's a time of distress, and it is a time that is distinguished from all other, all other days, all other times of distress. It is a time when Israel and Judah will be brought back together in the land of promise, according to Jeremiah 30 and verse number 3. It's a time when the rule of the nations over Israel will be broken, according to Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse number 8. It is also a time when they will then truly serve their Davidic king, in verse number 9. The nations where Israel have been scattered will be judged, according to Jeremiah 30 and verse number 11. And Israel will be judged and will be partially destroyed in a purging judgment, according to verse number 11. But they will be saved and not fully destroyed, according to Jeremiah 30 and verse number 7. Again, a a passage that's obviously referring to the same event that Moses referred to as tribulation in the latter days. It's also referred to as the day of the Lord, among some other References. Look in Zephaniah chapter 1, verses 14 to 18. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That day, and notice, notice these descriptions that Zephaniah uses. That day 
is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. And I will bring distress upon men that they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord. And their blood shall be poured out as dust and their flesh as the dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy for he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. Here Zephaniah also refers to as the day of the Lord, this time of great wrath from God being poured out upon the earth. We find it also being referred to as a time of trouble. Daniel chapter 12 and verse number 1. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble. And notice this, such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time, and at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. Daniel obviously writing after the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 and writes about a future time that says there has never been a time like this time that is coming. It's a definite time that is distinguished from all other times. Jesus referred to this in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 21 when he said, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So this time of tribulation is being described as a definite event. It is a singular event. It is one not to be repeated. It is, it is one that occurs in a specific period of time, which in fact Jesus goes on to say that it's a shortened period of time, that if it were not, simply all flesh, all earth, everything would, would entirely be destroyed or obliterated. Now Daniel has more to say about this time, and that's where we want to turn Next in this message to Daniel chapter number 9, and we want to think about the 70 weeks for Israel. So we're going to go to the book of Daniel in chapter number 9. So just to bring us up to date of what is taking place here in Daniel, the Assyrian Empire had accomplished the first part of Israel's exile. So we think back to the words of Moses before they had entered into the promised land and how they were going to be scattered from off the land. Well, the northern tribes, the northern kingdom of Israel, was carried away after they had been conquered by the Assyrian Empire in 722 B.C. And the Assyrian Empire would then go on to fall to the Babylonian Empire around 100 years later, and the first assault against the southern kingdom by the Babylonian Empire resulted in the first wave of captivity. They didn't, they didn't take Jerusalem at that time, but they did manage to carry away many Jews in 605 B.C. And in fact, Daniel of the book of Daniel was one of those who was taken away to Babylon at that time. 
There would be further invasions. There would be another wave of captivity taken in 597 BC. And then there would be the final siege of Jerusalem. When Babylon came against Jerusalem with its force, this siege lasted for um, a year and a half, and Jerusalem and the temple and all such was finally destroyed, and the rest of the southern kingdom carried away in 586 B.C. Now, the Babylonian Empire would go on to fall to the Medes and Persians in 539 B.C., and Darius was then made king over the Babylonian Empire. And so this is where we start here in Daniel chapter number 9 as as Daniel is praying in the first year of the reign of Darius, which would be 538 B.C. So Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 to 6. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the numbers of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him, And to them that keep his commandments, we have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. So notice that Daniel begins to make this prayer. First year of King Darius, 538 B.C. And he's making this prayer in response to the 70 years of desolation in Jerusalem that had been prophesied by the prophet Jeremiah. That's in Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 11 and 12, and chapter 29, verse number 10. So Daniel had understood the prophecy of Jeremiah that Jerusalem would be desolated for 70 years and the people exiled. So at the point that Daniel is here praying, nearly 50 years of the 70 years have passed. That means there was about 20 years left to go. And as you notice Daniel's prayer, he is praying to God on behalf of Israel. He is in sackcloth and ashes And he is praying a prayer of mourning, of lamentation, of confession, of penitence, and repentance on behalf of the nation Israel. So we go on reading the substance of his prayer, verses 7 to 19. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces as at this day. To the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and unto all Israel that are near, And that are far off through all the countries whither thou hast driven them because of their trespass that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets." Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing that they might not obey thy voice. 
Therefore, the curse is poured upon us and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. And he hath confirmed his words, which he spake against us and against our judges that judged us by bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. You notice that Daniel says, this has not happened to Israel to this point, so great a destruction as what happened to Jerusalem. He says, as it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us. Yet may we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth. For we obeyed not his voice. And now, O Lord our God, thou hast brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and hast gotten thee renowned as at this day we have sinned. We have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications, and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ear and hear, open thine eyes, and behold our desolations, and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake, O my God. For thy city and thy people are called by thy name. So Daniel's praying, and he's giving the confession on behalf of Israel that Moses said would precede their restoration in Leviticus chapter 26, verses 40 to 46. So in other words, Daniel's hope and Daniel's prayer is that this end of the 70 years that he knows is is drawing close, that at the end of this 70 years, that this will be the tribulation that Moses had foretold that they would suffer, and that Israel would repent and would return to God, and that he would forgive them, and that he would heal the land, he would gather them and restore them to their land under their Davidic king. Daniel is praying for the rest of the prophecy that Moses gave, and we read particularly in those three passages, Daniel is praying for that to be fulfilled at the end of this 70 years. But what we find out as we continue reading in Daniel chapter 9 is that that was not the unfolding of events as God had planned them. And in fact, Daniel was soon to find out. God does answer Daniel's prayer, but not in the way that Daniel was expecting. Notice verses 20 to 23. And whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of God, yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, 
I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. So it's obvious at this point that Daniel's prayer is not going to be answered in the way that he had hoped. This 70 years of desolation is going to be fulfilled, but the ending of that 70 years of desolation is not going to be the turning of Israel to God, of his extending covenant mercy to them and regathering them to the land and establishing them there under their Davidic king. That's not what's going to happen. Rather, God is here giving him further revelation. Gabriel the angel says to Daniel, I was sent to show you. In other words, he's about to show Daniel more than what he has seen and what he has understood to this point. And in fact, he's going to give him further revelation concerning the future of Israel and the fulfillment of those prophecies of Moses concerning that nation from Abraham. And this we read Gabriel's words beginning in verse number 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even unto the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Seventy weeks is literally seventy sevens in Hebrew. And it refers to units of time, and in this case, years. Seventy units of seven years is what the angel Gabriel says that comes to 490 years that have been determined for Israel and for Jerusalem, according to verse number 24. The full time was appointed for Israel, this 77s was appointed to accomplish six purposes. Notice that. He says, number one, to finish the transgression. Number two, to make an end of sins. Number three, to make reconciliation for iniquity. Number four, to seal up the vision and prophecy. And number five, I think I might have said six, and number five, to anoint the holy place. Now the first of those have to do with dealing with sin and putting it away, ending the transgression, making an end of sin, making reconciliation for iniquity. So the first three of those during this 77s is for the putting away of sin by the offering of the Lamb of God, the Messiah that he mentions that will be cut off. 
So these were accomplished in the first coming of Jesus Christ through his death and his resurrection. The last ones have to do with the future, establishing everlasting righteousness. That's the the one that I missed off my list of, of six. Establishing everlasting righteousness in Israel through the new covenant. Fulfilling the prophecies that have been given concerning the future, repentance and salvation of gathered Israel and their united possession of the land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then finally, the consecration of the holy place as the place of the Messiah's reign. So the starting point for the 77s is said to be the decree to restore and to build Jerusalem, which decree was made in 444 B.C., according to Nehemiah chapter number 2. So seven sevens he says, or 49 years, would be from the decree to rebuild to the completion of Jerusalem, the rebuilding work, and that took place during what are called troublous times. In other words, uh, a lot of opposition and a lot of great difficulty did did the rebuilding of Jerusalem take. And then there are 62 sevens, or 434 years, that would be to the coming of the Messiah. This gives us a total of 69 sevens, or 483 years. So after 69 sevens, or 69 weeks, as it says here, the Messiah would be cut off. In other words, he would be killed without having established his kingdom. The 69 weeks were fulfilled just prior to the crucifixion. There have been a lot of calculations about this, and it, and, it, and it does work out. Some people use some different numbers and starting points and how long do you make a year and all this sort of thing, so it's, it's not as easy as it might seem, but still yet it is remarkably close. No matter how we calculate it, the 69 weeks were fulfilled in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ just prior to his crucifixion. And then we are told that after the 69 weeks, Jerusalem and the temple would be destroyed. This coming, obviously, as a judgment upon Israel for rejecting the Messiah. We're down in verse number 26 now. This temple and Jerusalem would be destroyed by the people of the future prince that would come. This is one of the references that we know of as the Antichrist. So this part of this prophecy is fulfilled after the 69 weeks have passed, and it was fulfilled in 70 A.D., 40 years after that Jesus was crucified, by the Romans coming and destroying Jerusalem. And notice that it will be followed by ongoing wars and desolations until the end, or until the 70th week, because we still have a week. We've only accounted for 69 at this point. And then we get the reference to that last week in verse number 27, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. This is the prince that shall come of the people that destroyed Jerusalem and the temple. 
So the 70th week then is the future when the prince who will come in the future will make a covenant with Israel, which we are told he will break after three and a half years. He will commit the abomination of desolation in the temple. And all the determined judgments are poured out and the end of the 70th week will come. Well, the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy is also known as the tribulation, a seven-year-long time of God's wrath poured out upon Israel and upon the nations of the earth. This time is a specific event that has been planned and purposed from before the foundation of the world. It will be happening in the future time before the new earth and the new heavens. So the tribulation is a future event that is made up of numerous events that are prophesied in the Bible, and we're going to look at some of those events in other messages. This future time of judgment, it is part of our message to the world today. John the Baptist warned the Pharisees about fleeing from the wrath to come. Paul, before Felix, reasoned with him about judgment to come. This is a part of our message to the world today, to those who have not repented, to those who have not believed in Jesus Christ. You may not live to see this time of tribulation that is coming. You you may not. But death will not spare you from God's wrath as you will still stand before the great white throne and be judged and condemned to the eternal punishment in the lake of fire. But of course... Part of our message also is that God provides a rescue from this wrath in the person of Jesus Christ through faith in him.